Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and today I have a Victoria Wilson who lives in the UK as a dental hygienist, has a very unique perspective and amazing things that she is doing in the profession from across the water in another country. So Victoria, thank you so much for being on with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kelly. Yes. When I met Victoria, Victoria, how long ago did we say that we linked up? It was during COVID, so it was a few years ago. Yeah, but I definitely knew about you before then. <laughs> oh, and, and I had known about you as well. And, you know, that was the quiet opportunity with COVID to really get to know people and connect with people in ways that we didn't have a chance to before because we slowed down. And I, when I met with, with Victoria, I was like, people need to know your story because you are doing amazing things in this world with a ripple effect that is touching so many lives. So I, I want to hear people to hear more about you. So first though, why dental hygiene? Like why did you choose dental hygiene? That's an interesting question. I think when it came to school, everyone was filling out their UCAS forms and um, they kind of knew what they wanted to study at uni. And I knew that I could not be in an office. Um, I loved the arts and I studied loads of drama and things for years. And part of me actually wanted to go to drama school. <laughs> But I knew my, my cousin's an opera singer and um, she said, Victoria, you've got to get yourself a proper job. You know, this, this arts world is so, so tough. So I knew that I had to get a job doing something practically that I could do. I did lots of work experience in physio, um, dentistry in the, in the holidays prior to applying. And I'd really enjoy dentistry. Um, I was also very creative with my hands. I did lots of ceramic. And I really envisaged myself working and caring for people in the dental setting, being able to use my hands. I actually did dental therapy. So um, I could do fillings and um, restorative work. And so it really appealed to me. And that being said, I never went to drama school. I love dentistry so much. I have picked it up at different times 
since dental school, but I never went back to drama school and I've loved dentistry ever since. So yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like, because I know that you're also a speaker and author and do you feel like you sort of get to dip your toe in the water with speaking and presenting with the drama aspect? Absolutely. Absolutely, Kelly. And I think how I formulated my work um, really allows me to embrace all the other in- interests that I have outside of dentistry and infuse them into my world in dentistry. So I do, I do actually, yeah. So you made your, you've, you took your background and you found what you love and we're going to hear more about that and all the amazing things that you're working on. But I, I oftentimes talk, talk to hygienists and dentists and just people and they're, they get bored or they get burnt out. And it's like, well, what do you love to do? What could you do more of that would light you up that really serves, serves a place for you? And so you can find that and you can feel fulfilled and you can step more into that. So it sounds like even though you didn't go and study drama and you didn't study the theater aspect of things that you're getting to use that you're getting to, um, it, like you said, infuse that into your life. So how would you tell a person to identify what it, what it is that lights them up and say, okay, I'm going to pick this and then put it into my life. How would you, how would you tell a person to go about that? Yeah. I mean, what you've highlighted is such an important part, I think for, for everyone and something I really, truly, truly believe in. And it's something I actually encourage all dental professionals that I work with under the SMAR revolution to do, to find those aspects of your life that light you up. Because burnout, as you've touched on, is something that is prevalent within dentistry. Lots of people get tired um, and they maybe become less enthusiastic about that, what their work, which isn't doing them any good. Um, and 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 it's going to have a rippling effect on, on their surroundings, their, their lives. And we are all in this world to be thriving. So we, we all deserve that opportunity to find that that fulfillment in our work and also personally and I think it's so important if you have interests outside of work that you also incorporate them in your personal life and if there is an opportunity to incorporate it in their professional lives in some capacity and it may not already be written but I really would champion people to find that and and to find that authenticity in themselves um, we are all different And that's so beautiful that we are all unique. And that's what we have, the assets we have to bring to the table uh, professionally and personally in this world. So um, find if you're not at the moment, if you're not necessarily embracing those interests you have, find that time for you so, so that you fulfill yourself. And I think also as dental professionals, it's so important regardless whatever we are doing to be pouring from a glass full mm-hmm. and and if that's us if it's gardening if it's singing if it's playing the piano if it's painting as long as we can we have we will have that crave for it and if we aren't fulfilling that we're starving ourselves from something that feeds us so i really yeah i will cha- i champion you all just if you're not now, find that time for you. If it's painting, go paint a canvas 
and just see what it does to you, how you feel after it. Um, And if there's an opportunity to take it into dentistry, explore it. If not now, but keep that time for you so you are full. So you can give, give more to yourself and and everyone around you. Yes, I love that so much. It's it's so true. And then, you know, sometimes when I coach folks or when I'm just talking and mentoring, it's they say, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what I like to do outside of what I'm doing. And it's like, okay, well, what makes you, how do you want to feel? You know, what is it that's missing in your life? And okay, have you remembered the last time that you felt that way? And so that's a great way to start to, to sit and to reflect. And I always say journal, you know, I don't know. I'm sure. Journaling. Yes. I'm such a big fan. I've actually, uh, I've just written an article on journaling. But I've actually, because keeping a diary and journaling is something I learned that's actually different. So I've called it a diary journal Mm. so that you can incorporate the two aspects of what essentially a diary is and a journal and reflective practice that's required of us as dental professionals and utilizing it, especially in the UK, we have to reflect on what we're doing for our, our continuing professional development, our personal development plan. Um, so we can in- incorporate it personally and professionally on a daily basis. So I'm such a huge advocate of this. <laughs> grow to grow as individuals, we must. And the best leaders. And you look at this time and time again. You read all of the articles. You read the biographies of of individuals. The one thing that they have in common is that they have reflected on their lives and what they wanted to give, and did it align with what they thought they were, what they, what they intended to do. And that reflection is such an important piece of growth. And so that's why I'll start to say, okay, what is it through that reflection, through that journaling that you felt something that felt good for you? And what could you do to fulfill that? Because a lot of our decisions, many of our decisions are made from an emotional place. They're, they're emotionally driven. And so what could you do that, that lights you up that made you feel that way last time? And, um, it, it, and it kind of starts that process of, well, maybe I could paint, well, maybe I could do this. And then it's a, just start somewhere is what I tell people. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more, Kelly. It's, it's such a fundamental, um, that is proven as well and great, great leaders and, so many of those of those great names that maybe come to our mind. I think reflection is so so important. Yes, and so you are, you guys. When you hear about what Victoria is doing, it blew my mind, and you you continue to blow my mind with all the things that you're doing. So you started out as a dental hygienist. You're speaking. Where did you go from when you first started practicing? How long did you practice? And then then what was your next step after that? Yeah, so I, I qualified from the Eastman Dental Hospital in London um, in 2003. And then I, I left and um, I did a bit of locuming. Um, in the UK, um, my training was before we had to pay for it ourselves. So it was funded by the government. Um, and I felt the need to return to the NHS to give back. And um, I worked as a therapist and hygienist in some NHS practices locuming. Um, and then I, I, one thing I, I had, I found as 
working within the NHS is that I wasn't able to deliver as I was restricted for time the care that I wished to deliver. So I stepped away from um, the NHS at this time um, and I then went into private practice. Um, and this is not the case for all practices, but in the circumstances that and um, the practices that I was in, I just it didn't fulfill my aspirations. Um, and so I moved to another practice and I worked predominantly privately then. Um, I was working in Bow Lane um, for the BBC and also in Wimpole Street for Darwin and Tanner. And I worked um, in these practices for a number of years. I was involved very much um, from the early stages in the associations and um, following mentors that I really admired in the profession and um, began a study group um, that I was a study group was started and I supported that which was really interesting at the time we were looking at reviewing papers together in a brunch coffee kind of morning which didn't really happen at that point it was traditional kind of you attended the association meeting so this was different I guess I've always been looking to explore slightly different things or what's the next thing that we can bring into the profession curiosity um, I mean it's curiosity, curiosity. Right? stay curious stay curious <laughs> exactly um and then um, I explored a role um, as a tutor. Um, I actually was successful in the interviews, but just before um, I, I, I would have begun, I ended up moving to the Emirates. So I moved to the UAE, um, where I actually lived for 10 years. Um, and in that time, I worked for a smaller practice, and then I moved to a, I had a bit of a gap. Um, and a bigger practice then that I stayed in until the end of my time there, where I um, founded in the time I was there, the Emirates Dental Hygienist Club, which was the first organization to represent dental hygienists in the region um, ever. Um, and it took me probably about 10 years to establish <laughs> the time I was there with my other colleagues um, and just continuing to knock on doors in different you know, obviously, it's a totally different culture, um, and to gain the support to actually build or establish this, which where there was so many, so much, so many requirements, so much red tape to actually form it, and it's still in existence today. So I'm very, very happy about that. Um, and then I, I actually did something that's still very close to my heart while I was in the um, UAE. And this is exploring curiosity, keeping your eyes open always to opportunities to bring other things into the dental profession. And I attended an autistic um, uh, event. Um, and we had a stand from Dr. Rosen Associates at the time for dentistry. And I just went around exploring what was there, what was, what was to offer to support autism. Um, and I met an animal therapist. Her name was Claudia. And um, she was also a psychological, um, she worked with children in, in therapy as well. Um, and I said, I think we need to have a meeting. Anyway, to cut a long story short, we ended up developing um, an oral health um, animal therapy program that we ran within schools within the UAE for a number of years. And what we did is we utilized this dog called Chubby um, to evoke emotions because that was the methodology for animal therapy, but for children in general, 
to allow the children to emote to this dog chubby who supported our oral health program. He, I spoke and chubby would raise his hand and he would pick up a clock for how many minutes we should brush, pick up the good food, wag his tail, lay on the floor if the children chose food that was bad for their mouth. So the, the I don't know, it's something like SeaWorld. When you go to a show, the, the animal, you see the animal responding based on what's maybe good, bad, or when they're a bit upset, they wag their tail or, you know, things like that. So the, the Chubby, the dog, was so involved in 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 verifying the children's the audience's decision on food that was good for them snack time how many minutes they should brush their teeth what they should eat what they shouldn't eat and it was just an amazing journey we had some incredible fee feedback and it was a huge lesson that is that is unlike anything I've ever heard of. That is it was, wild. It was so special. Yeah, it was super special. Oh. So that's something that I did that's there with uh, with an animal therapist. Sorry, she was a child psychologist as well. So um, we had all, all um, the safeguarding um, you know, policies in place so that of course, we taking an animal into school, you have to be, of course, very careful to protect the children, but to ensure that that was all above board, so that, um, yeah, it was the it was obviously safe for the children. But yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> you all were you doing research? Were you conducting research at that time as well for how it modified behavior? Um, we collated the data on the impact that, 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 um, on how the children perceived the lesson in comparison to other oral health education and from the teacher's perspective. Um, but this was prior to me getting involved in research. So I didn't collate it as I would have done now, but I have, of course, yeah, the feedback and we have videos verifying the feedback. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah, it was. In, yeah, um, something very special that I did with oh, Claudia at the wow. time. Wow, that is so unique. I, I'm just, my mind is blown right now. So Victoria also has an affinity towards children and with children and their impact in oral health. And one of the things that we were talking about before we got on the podcast is the book that you published. And so can you tell us more about the why behind that and how you see this impacting oral health of children in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, this is the book. It's Toothbrushing with Sophia and Alice. <laughs> um, it was, it's inspired by my children. And um, I, um, as a therapist, we work a lot with children, but of course, as uh, adults as well. Um, and one thing that as, as I became a mother, I understood that um, it changed my my as as we go through different phases in our lives, we see more things, don't we? And I saw that the the challenge uh, as a mother when you're going and they're so young, there are so many different challenges that you're facing that are so new to you throughout the day. Toothbrushing at the end of the day can easily be forgotten. Um, as a as a hygienist therapist and dental professional, we wouldn't necessarily ever overlook this. We would make sure, but we I started to understand why parents would say, "Sorry, we just can't brush the teeth." At right. night. Sorry, it's just the tooth brushing battle is it's real. the last one of the day. We need to get to bed. <laughs> it's time. Go to bed. You're you're angry. <laughs> it's time. Yeah. And you know, it's 
I thought, my goodness, if we're not, how can we further support these parents that are going through this, my friends, um, to overcome this? So I thought, right, we sing, we play with the toys in the bathroom, let's write a book about it. Um, so I wrote a book and um, it was supported by um, the organizations here um, and an audio book as well. And we recorded a song. And my, my daughter, my eldest daughter at the time, sings the song. It's actually online already, the song, and you can um, get, um, you can listen to the book. But this is now um, the next phase of the project, um, which is a printed version that I have had illustrated um, that will be um, available on Amazon probably next week. So you probably will be able to get it. Yay! But the, you, the unique thing about this book is it has a QR code in the beginning. So it's not just a book, it's a journey for the parents and the carers to literally put their phone to and join the journey where they then will receive content from Smart Revolution um, of inspirational things and advice to support brushing, um, snacking, all the things that we speak about, um, healthy eating um, for children in the early years. And aside from that, what it will do is it will uh, also allow those that aren't already within um, or being seen within a dental setting to access oral health education visits remotely online, um, which will, can be delivered by hygienists, um, therapists, dentists, nurses, um, to then remove maybe that barrier that may be in existence of why they don't access the dental clinic to at least allow them to see a, um, a professional and then be triaged into care in dental settings. Um, so that's, that's the intention of this project, um, to increase access, to inspire children to brush and to allow them to become engaged and to overcome this battle that no parent or carer needs to have, no child, and it can be made fun. And it's just, just, input on that. Right. And I love too how it's it's a collaborative approach to, that helps to support the parent and the child and the healthcare provider, regardless of if it's a nurse, if it's a doctor, no matter what. So they're getting that consistent information, Victoria. So the I, I love how you have structured this. It's something that I hadn't thought of before with the interactive video with the QR code of it not just being a flat two-dimensional book or just something that's audio. They're able to, like you said, it's a journey and it, and it calibrates and it standardizes what it is, the information that you're providing to the parents, to the child, and anyone can use it and apply it in their setting. Yeah, absolutely. That, that is so innovative. And so you guys, what you just heard Victoria say is that she started an entire dental hygiene association in the UK, the Emirates, they, they call it something different. So you did that however many years ago, she has a book that has inspired and that will continue to inspire parents, um, health professionals in general, not just in the UK, but in the world. And then also too, you're doing a lot with telehealth and teledentistry as well. So you're, I feel like the book is a way to, it's, it's almost when you think of it, it's a way that it's almost like telehealth in a way, isn't it? Yeah. It's incorporating that aspect. Yeah. 
So my research is in my real fascination in dentistry is behavior change and how we can optimize that as health um, as dental professionals. Um, so we look at how we can optimize utilization of telehealth to um, create behavioral change and positive behavioral changes within people's oral health um, or, or hygiene regimes, their oral health habits. Um, so yeah, this is a branch really off of the research um, that it's, it's increasing access, it's more affordable, um, if it's if it even if it doesn't need to be paid for, it's the access is greater. So the marginalised groups around the world in any setting, um, we wherever you are, we can reach people through telehealth. Um, so yeah, it's piggybacking on optimising what we can do within this area, um, and of course the science. Is, is still quite limited in regards to uh, dental settings on the success of behavior change and utilizing what we have in that and increasing that for us to be utilizing. With the person who has an idea, so you had an idea out of, I don't know if it was thin air or if it's a something that came to you that you conceptualized this book, this audio, this behavioral change through through a QR code, through you envision this, what would you say? What, what is your advice to a person who this drops into their brain to do this? Like, what are the first steps that, you, that they should take towards actualizing something like this that you have done? Yeah, um, it's a really good question, Kelly. I think because we may have many ideas. I think this is where my journey really began, where I, I don't work clinically now at this moment in time. Um, when we're treating patients, we think, oh, what could we have done? I was always thinking, what could I have done differently? How could I have done that better? So we have so many ideas and we have many ideas. And then something actually I heard on a podcast, it wasn't dental, it was not dental related, is that these ideas, write them down, write all your ideas down. And the ones that just keep knocking on the door saying, don't forget me, or going back to these ideas, the ones that really stand out, because those are the ones we should pursue. Do they align with who you are? Is it going to allow you? We are, we are um, in charge of our, our own destinies and our lives. And I think it's so important to always be true to yourself. And if that interests you, because there have been many ideas I've had, uh, oral health systemic health is something I'm very fascinated in, but it may, and I wanted to do something within this area for a while. But then I thought, does every part of what's required for me to pursue this fulfill me? And it maybe didn't as much as maybe other ideas that I've had. So firstly, I say what those ideas are to begin with, write them all down, the ones that stick with you and stay with you and tick who you are, begin to explore what would be required to move this forward. If that aligns with you, because one hard, the hardest thing, and um, one thing I encourage a lot of my mentees under the Smile Revolution Growth Hub to do is we have to keep coming back to being who we are because you, when you spoke about it earlier, Kelly. Emotionally, this is what drives us. And no journey, this book was not easy to do, no journey of any real gratification is easy. So you need something more than a want to get there. 
And if it emotionally drives you and, and Ray and, you know, creates fires in so many different parts of your brain that excites you, it will support your delivery to the conceptualization to the final product. And I think that is a fundamental part that really is, is a key area. Are these things like the, the, the program with the dog, it was definitely not easy to create, but it, it ticked so many boxes. So it became, um, and, and for our own self-development, professional development, we want to see things succeed, but actually so many do not. So I think for me and uh, observing and, and working with all the, the people I work with, that's a huge, huge part. So understand that another part and I, I, I as we all do we train in other things as well I did do a business course that helped me hugely to understand how things move forward and 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 to to make it final product as something that could be also um commer uh, commercial value to a point doesn't have to be um, but it has to be sustainable. So how can it become sustainable? Yeah. And then, like you said, to take action, because it can seem very overwhelming once you figure it out, once the thing is knocking at your door and you can't stop thinking about it, it's just a, it's almost like you start to dream about it. You start to think about it. It starts to consume you in some ways and you keep coming back to it. And it's like, what about this? is is this nagging feeling that I need to take action on? Do I have responsibility to this idea? And then I find yeah. even asking questions of other people, like if I had a question about writing a book, let's just make that up and say, Victoria, what did you do to get started on this? What did you do to have it listed on Amazon? These little bitty small actions that you're taking help you to figure it out and to make it more bite-sized. So it's not is overwhelming of an idea to take action on it. So it's these little bitty things that you're doing that get you there incrementally. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And you've highlighted it perfectly and summarized it, that it, we speak about, we have a pyramid, but we got one side of it, like a mountain in, in the growth hub that we continue to say, we're, we're going to get here, but you can't think about getting here Think day by day. This is why journaling is so valuable, Dan diary journaling, because you can be incremental and you you can't get there if you think of all the things you've got to do as it's too overwhelming. So day by day, just chipping away at little tasks that are taking you there. How you have to fall in love with what you're doing because it is a labor of love. And if you don't have that, again, maybe it won't succeed. So it's bringing these these small parts together. Also, being realistic about what is required. You won't know it all, and 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 picking up a phone. I speak to Amazon Kindle, so or have spoken to Amazon Kindle as an example in putting this book together. So many times on the phone and being an email and back and forth with the illustrator because there are lots of different parts. But what what are what do you identify as needed to get to where you want to get to, and and just being okay with the small steps. Um, being realistic, never rushing. Can't rush it. Things take time and honor that time and enjoy the process. Um, and a huge part as well of taking things to, um, to fruition is that um, pressures can uh, build up. So being um, and finding your peace within you is so important. Um, feeding yourself with the right things you need for relaxation that's a huge part 
because when we're in a in a, a state of um intensity of work and maybe stress we see less and if you're taking a project through we need to see so much so we need that release so we we can see more we can hear and and you you also mentioned about speaking to people and colleagues asking for feedback as well this is so important because you're you're transfixed on something you're doing and what you're, you see, maybe nobody else sees. And it's not for you. It's for our audience. So uh, as much feedback in everything and collating this feedback is so important at different phases. I agree. And when you talk about the pyramid and the side of the pyramid, I think about too, as I'm visualizing what you're saying, that sometimes we can think that if we're not on this straight line, that it's that it's not going the right direction, but sometimes the line looks jagged and it goes over here and it comes back. And as long as it's in the direction and the forward momentum of it, and some, and sometimes even in life too, you take one step forward and two back, but you're learning. Learning. There, there's learning that's occurring there. And we have to give ourselves grace to stop, to pause, to think that it's not always in our timeline, that the timeline is perfect for what we need to learn through that journey. Yes. And I couldn't agree more about the failures are the the greatest gifts in a journey because you want to have as many failures early on so that later when things are more developed, you maybe hopefully don't hit that. And I'll often share an example I do have a podcast now, but I have a failed podcast before, which taught me so many lessons. And I'm so grateful for this pre-failed podcast because of the lessons I learned to make the next one as successful. Yeah, you needed that. I needed it. We need that. And we're so afraid of failing. I talk about this all the time that we have to fail forward. We have to embrace that and, and stop getting in our own way of being perfect all the time and just feed that momentum of what it actually takes to, to move forward. Just one, 1% different, 1% progression every single day. As James Clear talks about in Atomic Habits, it's, 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 it's a brilliant, it's hard when you can look at it in theory, but when you take it and you try to apply it to yourself, it can feel so uncomfortable, but it's what's required of us. It is. And I think fear is a huge thing that also stops people taking their ideas forward. Agreed. Just Agreed. And yeah. just oh, yes. bench that fear and just go for it. <laughs> because the fear doesn't feed us, it holds us back. And recognizing that's so huge. Um, the fear we don't need, we will move forward without it. Oh, so to just pop. Uh, yes, that is profound. We don't, we don't need it. It doesn't serve us, does it? I, I mean, in, in some instances, it does. It protects us, right? And the fear is there to protect us to say, this is dangerous. But when it's not dangerous, and you can figure out the truth behind it, that a book is not dangerous, <laughs> that your action that you're trying to take is not dangerous. It's, it's a made-up truth that, you're, that is getting in your way. So this, Victoria, I could, oh my gosh. I'm going to have you back on the podcast and we are going to talk about like part two, part three, part 12 of all of this wonderful information that you're providing to our listeners. And um, I I just, I want to know more. I would like to like live in your brain. And as I said before, I could talk to you all day. So just thank you 
for sharing your journey and the things that you're doing. How do people get in touch with you? Um, well, if you'd like to get in touch, please feel free to email me at info at smile-revolution.net um, or you can go on the website www.smile-revolution.net or I'm on Instagram at my smile revolution. Um, feel free to call me. My number is everywhere <laughs> as well. I love to chat on the phone um, and also speak on Zoom now. I speak to many people on Zoom. Um, and yes, if you have any questions or want to get involved in anything that we're doing within the Smile Revolution and well-being um, for dental professionals um, or even begin an oral health promotional project um, that we will support, then please get in contact. Yes. And then her information is also in the show notes if you are listening to this on podcast or even on YouTube. And what I love about you, Victoria, is that you're so generous with the information that you have learned and you truly do inspire and empower others with what you have done and what you continue to do. So thank you for being such of a giving place in your heart and sharing your journey and the failures and all of the things that we do together in this world, but knowing that we have each other to support and to elevate and to say, you know what, that's okay that that happened. That's part of the journey and inspiring others through what you're doing. Just thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you, Kelly, for all you do. And thank you for having me on the show. And um, it's great to always connect and speak with you. And thank you. Yes. And to all of our listeners, if you want to reach out to Victoria, please do that. And if you wouldn't mind as a favor, as I always ask, please think about giving us five stars on Apple podcast and then go over to YouTube for this full episode. If you haven't seen it, or if you're listening to it of the video and like, and subscribe and share this. So thank you all for what you continue to do. Make it a great day. And thank you for the impact that you're making in the world. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. Bye-bye. Be well.